Book Supplied Podcast, presented by WSL Leadership. In this podcast, we talk about an awesome book and how to apply it to your work, sport, or life. I'm your host, Iggy Perillo. Thanks for joining me. On today's episode, I'm talking about Steal Like an Artist, 10 Things Nobody Told You About Being Creative with Austin Cleon. And I have two amazing special guests with me today. I have Amy Angelili and Chandra Silverman. Uh, can each of you do a brief, brief intro so people know who they're listening to today? Chandra, go ahead first. <laughs> sure. Um, hi, Iggy. I am Chandra Sivaraman. I make software tools for professional for personal knowledge management. Um, I also have a day job as an engineer. I have a tech blog that I write at selfreflabs.io, and I also post on LinkedIn. Awesome. Thanks. Amy, tell us about you. This is Amy Angelilli, and I'm the Chief Adventure Officer of the Adventure Project. And um, I lead people in playful adventures uh, using improv and laughter um, so that they can uh, become a better version of themselves. And then hopefully, if they're in a team setting, um, the team can then become a better version of itself. Awesome. Great. And for folks out there who may be wondering, are any of you artists? Maybe not in the formal, technical, specific painting, hanging in the Louvre sense, but I think we all engage in very creative endeavors in the work that we do in different ways, which is why this is such a fun mix of people to talk about with this book. And Chandra, you were actually the one who instigated I think I feel like you're the one who instigated this conversation or brought this book to my attention. Was there something that drew you to this book or was it, how did you find this book and or what stood out to you from this book? Um, I, I have no memory of how I came across the book. Right. <laughs> 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 you know, try as, I, as hard as I might, I, I don't remember who exactly recommended the book to me. Um, but I, I remember reading reviews and being intrigued, uh, by the content and I just, um, impulsively ordered it on Amazon and, um, you know, it's, it's a very small book, you know, just, I, I went through it in a day. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think the the title stood out for me, you know, still like an artist, um, it's kind of um, steel is not, doesn't have the word steel doesn't have a good connotation. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I mean, that's, that's how all of us work. We, we're not like born. We don't come out of the womb with original thoughts. Um, you know, we're, our brains are processing signals all day long. And um, that's how we come up with new stuff is by mixing and mashing up um, all of the inputs, all of the sensory inputs that go through our brains and then something different comes out. Yeah. Yeah. That's great that you don't even know where this came from. Yeah. That's uh, Who knows? It just came from, it came to you, which is great. And Amy, I think you actually had this book before when Chandra mentioned it, you're like, oh yeah, I have that. 
like book already, yeah. which is why we're talking about this as a trio today. Do you know how you, it came out? Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Yeah. Great. Tell us. Yeah. Mine was a gift. Oh. oh and mine, okay. mine was a, mine was a gift from a fellow improviser as a going away present when I was uh, leaving Denver and um, moving to St. Augustine to start an improv community in St. Augustine. Okay. And and the reason that she gave it to me is because I had been known to say things like, oh, well, that's already been done or so-and-so is already doing that. And okay, basically uh, what I've come to learn since those days is, you know, almost everything's already been done. <laughs> right. right. I think we talked about this right at one point, hmm. but like Chandra saying, it's, well, what pieces you take of those things that have already been done and then how you add yourself into those pieces. You know, when I first moved here, uh, I met an improviser in Florida who said to me, well, whose teachings do you follow? Whose improv <laughs> teaching? Are you, are you, you know, a disciple of this or of that? And I thought this is like the strangest question I've ever fielded. Because the answer is yes to, (laughs) am I this or am I that? Yes. All of those people, because I've been inspired by so many different improv teachers along the way. And now with technology, we have access to so many improv teachers. Oh yeah. Yeah. That I feel like my own improv voice is a big stew of all the things that I've been exposed to that have resonated with me. Yeah, it's so interesting. And I think, like, I operate in this educational space and people would be like, well, who are your educational influences or who are blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, lots of people, you know, like there's tons of people out there or who's, you know, models do you follow? I'm like, I use the best parts of all of them that I find. Like, I, right. <laughs> like I'm, there's not like a one that I'm attached to. But I think there's this interesting, like, dichotomy where people are like, well, you know, I think there's traditions of well, you're, oh, you're from the blah, blah, blah school. You're from the blah, blah, blah chain of thought. You're from the, you know, you're a follower. Yeah, disciple of so-and-so here, you know, or there. So people understand, you know, some sort of lineage of your thought process, which kind of sounds limiting in a certain way. Like, to be like oh, I'm, you know, oh, I'm an impressionist artist. I don't do anything else. That's all I do. <laughs> blah, you know, great. And you might be amazing at it and fantastic. But I think there's... There's more to be said. Most of us, I think, don't operate in such a narrow band of specialization, maybe, that, that you can say, like, well, everything I learned, I learned from this person, I learned from that person, right. you know, three people down the line. I asked a guy once who was, a, he worked as a mason, like a stone mason, kind of literally cut rocks, among other things. And I was like, oh, where did you learn this? Because I don't, I didn't know many stone masons. He's like, oh, it came from Thor. I'm like, Th- Thor, the god of thunder? <laughs> That's like your roots are Thor? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. And he said it like total straight face serious. I'm like, okay, I I don't, I think, are we done with this conversation now? I don't know what's happening. It was just a very weird thought, but like he saw himself like literally as following this long chain of Scandinavian peoples and stonemasonry work all the way back to Thor. And I was like, okay, dude, that's great. Yeah. That's great that you have a connection there. And that's not at all what I expected, obviously, from that answer. <laughs> That's fabulous. I'm going to have to come up with something along those lines. Yeah. Like, I think what, well, and you made me think of this. The Romans. Time. The next time somebody asks me, I'm going to say, I hail from the Romans. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think <laughs> I'm Italian was. and I do theater. <laughs> obviously. Yes. The, um, I think it was 
Uh, I can't even know whoever it says, like, there's nothing new under the sun. I think that was like Socrates. Like he said there was nothing new under the sun, like two thousands of years ago, there was nothing new under the sun. Like obviously since then, nothing else new has ever happened, but yeah, there's nothing new under the sun. But yeah, we have this book to steal like an artist, which I think is, yeah, it's tiny. It's like a little square. It has like barely like a hundred pages in it. And I think each page has like maybe a hundred words on it. Like it's such a fast little read and there's tons of images and pictures and uh, little doodles and cartoons along the way. Were there any of these? Uh, he basically has 10 chapters, I think. Am I saying that right? That like he goes through like ways to steal like an artist or things that you need to do or like how to do this well. Because I think there is on the flip side, there's like literal copy, copying and plagiarism and copyright violations. And that's not what he's saying. Like, right, there, yeah, yeah. doesn't just copy and slap their own name on it. That's not what this is about. Yeah. There's a page um, that looks at good theft versus bad theft, you know, and this goes back to what Chandra was saying a few minutes ago. Um, you can remix or you can rip off, for example. Right. And I, I love that concept of remixing because isn't that ultimately what we're doing in life in general? You know, what whether we fashion ourselves uh fine art highfalutin painter or whether or not we're literally just in the kitchen making you know chili we're remixing different <laughs> yeah. things that have come to us along the way and then doing what we feel works for us based on the things that we've picked up yeah absolutely Absolutely. Are there ways, Chandra, that you feel like you've applied this book or that you use this book in terms of, or the ideas from this book in your life and in your work? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, some of it I have, I've been doing before I read the book, but there were others um, that definitely the book opened my eyes to. Um, and I mean, I mean, right in the, the first chapter itself, he kind of grabs your attention when he says that he views the world. He has this binary view of the world as consisting only of things worth stealing or not stealing. There's nothing else. You know, it's, uh, um, it's kind of a unique way of looking at the world where, you know, there's no good or bad, but only stuff that's worth stealing and stuff that's not worth stealing. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, is it worth stealing, right? That's his right. Like, deciding question. Yes or no? When you're like, hmm. Okay. Yeah. It seems yeah. kind of, but it does, it has a sort of negative connotation, like Amy was saying too. Right. But I mean, I think it also um, emphasizes the fact that, you know, you have to be selective about um, like the influences you let in. Um, you know, you don't want to just uh, randomly mix stuff, you know, because if, if you put garbage in, garbage is going to come out. Right. And, right. Right. Um, so you, so being selective about what what influences you choose to let in is is um, a key message here. And the other thing that really resonated with me was, um, you know, to know yourself, you have to make things. You can't just be mm. like a passive consumer of uh, stuff other people make. You have to make stuff yourself, and you know, you may not know how to do it initially. But um, you learn through the process of making it. Um, and you also learn about yourself. So that is something um, that really resonated with me. And I think it, um, 
<clears throat> I had a personal experience of this too, um, where you know I was kind of stuck um, in my journey, my entrepreneurship journey, where I didn't really know what I wanted to do, and um, I was given a great great piece of advice by Stephen Worley of uh, from the Life Skills That Matter. Um, podcast a friend to all of us yeah a great friend guy. of account yeah. friend and an awesome guy and he told me to block off um like half a day every week and um you know just just uh work on something that i like doing that i really want to do that nobody is forcing me to do and i spent like about six months working on this um idea that i had for uh managing like a your personal um, knowledge base. And um, it's, it's still kind of a work in progress, but um, that kind of rejuvenated the love I had for programming, um, which had kind of been dulled a little by my corporate job. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I can't, that make things know thyself is great advice that, that really stood out, stood out for me. Yeah. In my world, that means like making decisions, even like you learn from yourself from like even making decisions to take action on things is a level of learning about yourself. I'm sure you see that a lot in your world too, Amy. Yeah. For me, um, I liken it to a a good or bad improv scene. So a bad improv scene would be if we're just talking about taking action, whereas a good improv scene is when we're actually taking the action and that is very much the same with life. I mean, you can get um, paralysis by analysis mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where you think about and talk about doing something. But if you take action, even if you fail, you know, you've at least had an experience. So then you have something real that you can process and, and figure out, you know, what you want to take away from that, what you want to keep, what you don't want to do again, that kind of thing. Yeah. I spent some time talking with people about their personal values because that is like often a foundation to a lot of their choices and decisions and how they enact themselves as leaders. And people have a lot of aspirational personal values that have no bearing on what they do in their life and like really aren't things that they live or they that they are enacting. And so I have this, I mean, it takes some time to get around to like, oh yeah, I believe in honesty and integrity and all these things. I'm like, well, if someone's wearing an ugly sweater said, do you like my sweater? Do you tell them no? And they're like, oh, no, I would never say that to someone. I'm like, so you don't believe in honesty, but yet you say, you know, like, there's like not like that's like the super simple example, but yeah. like, what is the thing that really matters at your core is what you do. Like, it's how you act or how you take action. And I think it's sort of reflective, right? Like your actions reflect, you know, your thoughts and learning and values. But I think for the, the purpose of this book, like you learn so much from doing the thing, like you can then like sort of go for the, like the, what's that called? When you look at, when you look at back at something, you sort of retrospective your actions. You're like, oh, oh yeah, here's yeah. where I was coming from. Here's what actually matters in this thing. And you, yeah, you learn so much from taking action. Like he talks about in the book, like use your hands, like just like actually do the thing and make it yourself, make, figure it out by touching it, typing, whatever it is. You know, we work in sort of very different spaces, the three of us, but you need to do the thing in order to learn from and engage with well, that thing. I, I feel that though, because when I spend long periods of time on a computer and I'm not 
moving through a space physically in some way, I start to feel really stagnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it to me, it ties in with that other piece that's uh, mentioned here, which is, um, you know, side projects and hobbies are important. And, and I'm lacking in side projects and hobbies because they, those things always end up becoming my work. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. And, you know, and, and, and back in Denver where there was such a rich uh, performance community and, and, and those people wanted to be on stage all the time. Well, it's like at some point you have to get off the stage and get into life so that you have something to bring to the stage. Right. Right. (laughs) If you're trying to like amplify life and you have no experience of life, that's hard yeah, to amplify yeah, yeah. anything, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. That's great. That's great. I think I bet you could have a side project. I mean, if your hobby was reading, I don't know. Well, maybe that would become a full-time job for you. I don't know. I think you could. I I have faith in you in finding a hobby. That's all. Do you do? Okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you to find a hobby that doesn't become everything, but I know what you mean. I, I enjoy a lot of things and then somehow they always become integrated into my work in, in some capacity. Well, I think it sounds like you're inspired by them. Like what Chandra was just saying, like getting inspired by doing the side project then becomes a piece of the, the corporate job, the job you're doing, the project you're working on now. I think we're like, I think we naturally sort of absorb the influences. And I think in good ways and sometimes in unintentional ways that are not always so good. Like if you um, I've been listening to a lot of Agatha Christie audiobooks still, like it's been a project, it's been going on and on. Every once in a while though, I'm like, I don't know how to say this word in American English versus British English. And also I'm like, does anyone use the phrase testamentary dispositions? No, they don't. That's not what people, how people talk. Like I just get these weird influences that are not how humans that uh, I interact with co- converse, but it's just sort of like a subtle influence, you know, from taking it in these audiobooks in fun, you know, English accents. But I think the the book, though, they talk about being, it'll bring a little more intention to that. Like you're doing some stuff with your hands. You're engaging in these side projects and hobbies with like a mind to like explore or try new things or kind of put yourself out there or manage things differently in your life to to make that more rich. I think like you were saying, Amy, like so that you get a different experience. You get sort of a different perspective from I engaging think, those things. I think honestly, it boils down to the, those two things, exploration and curiosity. Mm-hmm. And and everybody can um, dive into those two concepts differently. Like for me, when I just got back from a, a great travel experience and I just wanted to like see everything. So, I mean, I just kept driving around these islands cause I wanted to, to I wanted my eyeballs to be saturated, mm-hmm. but other people would prefer to be immersed in something that like physically shakes up their bodies, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I think both, both of those are valid as are many other, other ways to do it. As long as you have that sense of, of curiosity along with you when, when you're, when you're doing whatever it is. Sure. I mean, it's still curious and still exploration it just the form that worked for you or that. Yeah. Yeah. Needs belt, the best. Fantastic. I think I like this other part where he says the secret is to do good work and share it with people. And it seems, I feel like Chandra, you're the blog that you created actually is only focused on sharing your work with other people and doing like high quality work. And I don't know if that's still the case or if you've evolved your output in different ways. Um, No, I mean, I, I still intend to continue writing the blog It's just had some personal circumstances Mm. because of which I've had to suspend it for a while. 
-hmm. but um you know i was doing it uh i think for a few months and it um it really made me intentional about um about what exactly um it is that i want to do and um you know in the, in the process of writing the blog it was almost like i was teaching myself the things that i was writing about um and i found that i discovered that i actually didn't know a lot of the stuff as well as i thought i did and only when i was um writing the blog did i really realize what the gaps were in my knowledge and so um you know sharing sharing your work can be um can be a great way of um can be a great way of motivating yourself to keep uh things going but i also feel like there's another side to it which is um oversharing where <laughs> mm-hmm. i mean you don't want to share stuff before um before the idea is fully formed in your mind um because ideas are like i have this quote from Johnny Eve of Apple he says that while ideas ultimately can be so powerful they begin as fragile badly formed thoughts so easily missed so easily compromised so easily just squished so i mean when you mm-hmm. have when you have an a nascent idea you you need to kind of nurture it water it um before you kind of expose it to the world uh because there are i mean the world is full of negative people Mm-hmm. and you don't want your idea to be um crushed before it has had a chance to flower yeah well, and this, that's funny because there's this other chapter called be nice the world is a small town and he's sort of talking about being nice in your interaction with people as as you're stealing like an artist to give credit or to give um you know to let people know of your influences when that's appropriate or you know to be kind in how you're operating within the world because i think you're right there are so many people doing amazing creative endeavors and just because someone's creative endeavor has no bearing on your life there's this other fun quote that I love recently that I've heard that is you don't have to have an opinion like mm-hmm. you're free like you don't actually have to have an opinion on someone else's creative endeavor it may have no impact on you maybe something they've put effort into time into that they've made with their hands that they're exploring it's like their idea that they they've just newly formed and they're like really make solidifying it awesome and you don't have to have an idea on it about that and you can it's okay to be nice and be like you know cheer people on and or yeah shut your mouth at times right. i guess maybe both yeah. <laughs> and uh i ha- i just had one more thought on the topic of side projects mm-hmm. um i think side projects are they're kind of like seeds that you plant for future growth um yeah so that's it's um you know unless you experiment with um, something other than what you're currently immersed in um you're not going to have material for future growth and in, it also helps to have multiple side projects because uh we do i mean if you get stuck on one you can always move to another and you can kind of engage your brain's uh, diffuse mode circuitry um so i mean this is something i read about in a book on learning it's mm-hmm. kind of a book a met uh, book on meta learning on how to learn 
um, by Barbara Oakley. Oh yeah. Mind, yeah, yeah. Mind for Numbers. She's so great. I yeah. am a big fan of her. Uh, she does a great online class called Learning How to Learn, where she right, talks exactly. about how your brain yes. works. And it's so good. I recommend that if you have time. It's on Coursera, I think. The Learning How to yes, Learn yes, class yes. is fantastic. So she talks about focused mode and diffuse mode. Um, so having multiple side projects is a way to engage your diffuse mode and kind of let your subconscious um, kick in and feed you ideas. Um, yeah. That it's like you can't you, actually force your subconscious to work because then it's conscious. Right. You can't be like, I'm going to subconsciously do this. Like that's not how you literally have to be engaged in something else. Yeah. Right. Fantastic. That's a great yeah. point, reason for side projects. And you know, when, when you are taking in information from side projects or from just being curious and, and, and those things end up being garbage unintentionally. You know, we, we talked about garbage in, garbage out, but there's a positive twist on that in that you do discover things that you don't want in your toolkit, in your creativity yeah, kit. Yeah, the right? no list. It's okay yeah. to have a, the no or not for me or whatever. Hmm. Yeah. And sometimes you don't realize it, that something's not going to work until you try it. Absolutely. Right. So, yeah. so like, and I tell, you know, my level three improv students, they get a lot of tools in level three. And I tell them from the top, they're not going to like all the tools. They won't enjoy using all the tools. Not all the tools are going to resonate. So, you know, keep what serves them and, you know, shelf everything else. But we don't. We can't figure it out until we, until we try. Yeah, you actually have to use them probably to to know if they resonate with you or not. Versus, there's so many things I think we uh, we read about it. We're like, oh, that's for me or that's not for me. I'm like, well, have you tried it though? Have you engaged with that thing? Have you really like stolen the best parts of it? Basically, you know, inspired by this book, or have you just read about it and like judged it and you know filtered it? too soon. I think sometimes we do that, like definitely all the time. Like, Oh, I like that. Or I don't like that. Or that's for me. Or that's not for me. Like, great. And if you're not curious or interested in growth and learning, your world is going to continue to shrink. If you just have, if your only limits, you know, are what are guiding what you do. Mm -hmm. And like the other great advice from this book, uh, I like the chapter called being boring. It's the only way to get work done, which is, I think of this great sort of counterpoint to like, still like an artist, like you're taking, you're active, you're doing stuff and cut the baloney, be boring and do your work. Like at the same time, like you can do both. It's okay. You don't have to be this frenetic sort of extrovert type of personality to do amazing creative work. And if you're stealing, you're taking little bits here and there, you're understanding, you're learning, you're experimenting, you're curious. Like it's okay to be boring, have your systems do your nine to five, whatever it is, have your structures. Essentially. I think he talks about too, like it's okay to have structures in place that support you in doing your work. And I think that's like, again, classically the difference between a work work and a hobby, like whatever chosen work, you know, assigned work, like a hobby, you quit, you start, you do whatever, but work is like, there's output, there's structure, there's like goal, not necessarily goals, but there's a format to it that you follow with some consistency. If you only Mm. write, or if you only create when you feel creative, you're not really like, I don't know, like a professional, an artist. I don't know what you're not really like. That's a great hobby. Like create when you're creative, fun hobby. But if that is going to be something that is you take on as something that you value, that you want to pursue, 
like with some intention, then it needs to be a practice. It needs to be something Mm -hmm. that you're boring about that you do consistently or regularly, or, you know, with some sort of structure to it. One of the improv greats, the grandfathers of improv talks about being boring. And if I bring that into the classroom, my students are always horrified. It's like, (laughs) I'm supposed to be entertaining and funny and charming and this and that. And I said, no, you're just supposed to be just Mm -hmm. be, you know, because when you're just being, you're listening, you're connecting, you're in the moment. And that's what improv is. Everything else is a a sidebar. Yeah. A byproduct of being like the boring part is like being present. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, Yeah. kind of boring sounding to just, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think the part about the day job, which I liked was, uh, I mean, there are a lot of people, um, a lot of gurus who say, you know, you should quit your job and follow your passion. Um, but I mean, your um, and probably Amy can speak to this, but your day job, it kind of puts some constraints around you uh, and constraints are good for creativity. Um, so I, I, I recently took this writing course. Um, it's called the Art of Clear Writing. And one of the exercises um, I had to do was to write like a 500 word uh, essay without using any adjectives, adverbs, or words longer than two syllables. Okay. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot of constraints. All of that was in the one essay. Yes. Of 500 words. Wow. That's, yeah. Yes. And it was, it was very difficult. Um, oh, I bet. Initially. But, um, but at the end of it, um, the, the, the output that, that I produced was, um, I was kind of forced to focus on the substance rather than on the presentation. And, um, you know, people who read it, like my friends and family who read it told me it was like, um, they could now actually read my work without, um, using a dictionary. Mm. It was great. (laughs) It was literally so clear, right? It was, yeah, (laughs) that's funny. Well, that's great though. I mean, that's the point. And I think that comes to like, actually that feeds into the sort of last point of the book, which is creativity is subtraction. And I think what you're saying too, creativity is also limits. Like the, we, we need these sort of boundaries and limits to force ourselves to engage. It's like a problem solving, right? We, we are super engaged in problem solving when that's like a, such a boost for creativity <clears throat> when you have something you need to solve or yeah, the constraints on an essay that need to be really strict in a certain way it suddenly frees you to be creative in ways you wouldn't have imagined like you probably would not have written like that for any other reason you know in your blog or in any other thing you that's not i'm sure right how you were used to writing or how you would have approached that type of work so it's a, it's the same in in um in my classes i tell my students to talk less oh yeah i'm sure <laughs> yeah uh, you know because people get nervous and they feel that if they fill the silence with words, then everything's going to be okay. And in fact, everything gets more convoluted and confusing. So it becomes harder to keep track of what's happening and they end up working harder. Which is not so, always as much, not as much flow. It sounds like then it doesn't yeah. flow as well from that point. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. Yeah. And it's like, uh, I mean, another example of that is Apple, you know, 
uh, they're always removing stuff right from their products. They're removing headphone jacks, they're removing, uh, right. what else, USB ports. And, uh, yeah, the simple, like the very, like the sort of Scandinavian style clean design is very simple, very straightforward. Not, there's not like ornate parts and frills and stuff like mm -hmm. that, for sure. That sort of whole concept of sort of, I guess, I mean, minimalism in a certain sense, but like streamlined, I think is maybe more what I mean. Right. Not having like anything um, that doesn't have a useful purpose. Right, right. Which then frees you to use that thing in different creative ways. It's not as, it, it takes, I think the theory is that that takes the limits out of what you can do with the thing because the thing is so simple. Like you just have a brick, you can build anything with it versus no, this is the type of brick that goes at a certain place at a certain you know time on a certain piece of a certain building. Like great to be specialized, but also great to fundamentally be creative. And I think that's like really what this book to me spoke about it was like, it's great to be creative. It's okay to steal. It's okay to create. It's okay to do stuff. I, I feel like it really was a manifesto for people engaging in that work and creative work in whatever type of field, whatever type of way, and not feeling like they had to do it by themselves. Like you can steal stuff. It's great. Do it like an artist. It's amazing. Be nice to people. Don't be limited. Don't limit yourself. Take action. You know, all these different little pieces really are just supporting people in being in, in acting creativity in their life in whatever way works, you know, is suits them. Well, the best thing to do is use, use what you have. And part of what you have is what you've been exposed to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you rem remember that the Beatles started out as a cover band. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I think most I bands probably started out as a cover yeah. band. Yeah, no, it's great. That's a great point. But and yet they went on to create, and yet they took pieces, they took influences, and built unique things down the road for sure. Fantastic. Yes. Well, I feel like we're winding down a tiny bit. Do uh, thanks so much for Amy and Chandra for coming and talking with, about this book with me today. I'm glad I could get all of that out in one sentence. Do either of you have any sort of final thoughts, final takeaways, or final things you want the listeners to know that you're doing or working on? Amy, you can go first this time. Okay. Um, I, I always say, uh, just Nike it, <laughs> right. Which, which means just do it. And, uh, and, you know, I have to be reminded about that too. So, you know, I'll tap into my, um, fellow creative pools to basically tell me what I would tell to other people, because the hardest thing you can do is deal with yourself, you know? So if you need to hear some of these things from somebody else, then do that. Um, because it might help you actually just Nike it. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Get some good people around you to sort of yeah, support, yeah, inspire, yeah, yeah. challenge, all those things. Steal together. Yeah. Steal together. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. That's great. And right? as, as far as, as, as what I'm up to, um, I am doing a, a lot of, uh, team building, team bonding and team development, um, using improv and laughter. And I'm doing that both virtually and getting back out there a little bit into the real world. Awesome. Where can so, people find you? You're at the, what's your website again? Or where do people um, find you? Yeah. Adventure-project.com. That's right. That's right. Great. 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 Mm -hmm. Thanks. Chandra, last, last thoughts. Um, 
yeah thanks thanks Iggy for inviting me on this podcast and um, I have a blog at uh, selfreflabs.io that's s-e-l-f-r-e-f-labs.io um, yeah feel free to reach out to me if you have any technical projects you might need help with um, my parting message to, to you would be to make stuff and to be a producer, not a consumer. Good luck. Yes, wise words. <laughs> Thanks so much. And I've had a great time talking with both of you today. Thanks very much. So fun, Iggy. Thank you. Glad we got ourselves together to make this happen. So mm -hmm. thanks a lot. Thanks, Iggy. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Book Supplied podcast. I hope you enjoyed getting to know a new book and learning how to apply its ideas to make your work, sport, or life a little bit more awesome. For more leadership education-related content, including conflict management checklists, invitations to a fun-free lunch that happens monthly, upcoming classes, webinars, and mastermind groups, please head over to wslleadership.com. Thanks, and have a great day. Thank you.